Holy God, we just come to you this morning, and we pray for an anointing and a presence over your servant, Lana. God, we pray that she would come to the end of herself and find only you. That she would be so infused with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that having spoken, she wouldn't even remember what she said. That she'd get lost in the midst of being with you. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that every time your word is spoken, it never returns void. It always has meaning and purpose in our lives. We thank you for your word, God, that you would even communicate with us as humans, that you would leave your written love letter to us. God, I pray right now that every woman, every man in this room, would understand what the fire of the temple of God is all about. And that, God, we would realize that right here in our very flesh and bones, that we are your temple. Your word tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and that He dwells within you? So come and dwell in our presence this morning, Lord. Come and dwell within Lana. May her tongue be a fire. It speaks the truth of your word to us. It's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by His blood shed on the cross and by the power that we have in that name that we claim it in Jesus' name. Wow, it's good to see so many people this morning. Um, Jennifer wanted me to remind you that we ran out of folders, so if anybody did not get a folder, raise your hand. She's got some extras right now. So raise your hand. If you didn't get a folder, did you get a red folder, everybody? That's good news. That's a hallelujah, praise the Lord, when you run out of materials the first day. Um, this year, we're so excited. Anne and Pam and I have just been, been studying and trying to learn some new things. And we're studying the fire of his presence, the tabernacle of Moses. And I know some of you are probably saying, well, we've studied the tabernacle before. So we're going to just pray that the Lord reveals something new to us this year that we've never known before. And if you haven't ever studied the tabernacle, you may be saying, well... I don't really care to study the tabernacle. But again, we're going to pray that the Lord reveals himself through this study. So right now, I just want you to offer yourself, to offer your heart, just to ask the Holy Spirit to to come in and to have his way in each one of us. If you would just put your hands out in front of you as a symbol that, Lord, my heart is open. Lord God, I bless every woman in this house today. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to have your way. I pray, Lord God, that you will take our minds and that we will have the mind of Christ in this study. Lord God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we would see new truths in your word this year that have never been revealed before. Lord, if we've heard this word before, I pray that you will take it from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Have your way in our bodies, the temple of the Lord God Almighty. In Jesus' name I pray. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Amen. Now I want you to expect the Lord to act on your behalf if you just held your hands out and you prayed that. Um, Okay, in your notes, the first thing we're going to look at is I'm just going to kind of set the stage. 
there is actually a diagram of the tabernacle. Does everybody have this? Yeah, and it's up on the screen. <laughs> but I want you to take this out. And do you know why we have you take notes when, you're, when you are studying? That kind of gets it from your hand into your head into your heart. So I want you to write. We intentionally did not put down all of the information on this, so I want you to fill in what I'm fixing to give you about the tabernacle. And first of all, I'm just going to kind of set the stage of the whole tabernacle of what we're going to be studying the next seven weeks. And um, Ann and Pam and myself will be taking one piece of furniture a week, and we're just going to be studying that piece of furniture. So... um, But today, we just want to lay a little groundwork, and it's going to take a few minutes, so y'all bear with me. Let's just um, start with a few facts, and um, I think you'll find that the Lord has a lot to teach us. Okay, the tabernacle. It consists of three rooms, and on the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies, and that's written on your sheet for you. In the outer court, there are two pieces of furniture. The brazen altar is that square piece. I'll write this down. (laughs) The brazen laver is the second piece of furniture in the outer court. In the second room, which is the holy place, we have the lampstand or the menorah, and that's that little circle. The lampstand is the little circle. In the center is the altar of incense. And on the side is the table of showbread. In the third room, (laughs) am I going too fast? I know my mouth can talk faster than your hand can write. You're in the table of showbread. It's the rectangle. The big rectangle is the table of showbread. Maybe I should come over here so I can show y'all. Okay. The Holy of Holies is the third room. And the big rectangle in there is called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is where the presence of the Lord dwelt. Um. We start off on the outside, and there is one gate. The gate to the entrance is called the eastern gate. Can you see where we started from in the outer court? The eastern gate. The tabernacle is surrounded by white curtains. The white curtains are the outside. The whole outer edge of the tabernacle is white curtains. And we do have this up here. Do you see? This is a representation of the tabernacle that we are showing you today. And this actually would be the eastern gate and the surrounding white linen curtains. The outer court would have been an open-air court. And when you got to the holy place and the holy of holies, there would have been a tent covering over that.
So what is the tabernacle? You may not know this. This is the first question. You've got a little handout. And it asks you just, what is the tabernacle? It's actually a picture of Jesus. And it's also um, a pattern for worship. So we're going to see these two things as we begin to teach on the tabernacle this year. And the next thing I want us to look at is what is the purpose of the tabernacle? You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus 25. And in Exodus 25, 8, we see that the purpose of the tabernacle, God told Moses to build this tabernacle, and he says, I will dwell among you. So the purpose of the tabernacle is for God to come in and dwell with his people. Um, if you read, and you may just want to jot this scripture down in your notes, Hebrews 8, 5, it says, They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, and this was God actually warning him. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. So from this piece of scripture in Hebrews, we see that the tabernacle is a copy of what's in heaven. The, um, the real deal, there is a real tabernacle, and this is just a replica on earth. So it's a copy. And the next thing it says is that it is a shadow or a foreshadow of what's to come. In the Old Testament, The tabernacle was a shadow of Jesus. In the New Testament, he was the substance. And I learned a real interesting thing. I was listening to Bill Johnson this week, what he said about a shadow. Listen to this statement that he says. A shadow has no substance. It's merely a place of contact to activate your faith. Don't you like that? The tabernacle in the Old Testament, was just a shadow of Jesus to come. It had no substance. But Jesus, in the New Testament, was the substance. He was the fulfillment of that shadow in the Old Testament. Um, in Hebraic teachings, we oft, they often take a pattern from what happened in the past, and they use it as a foreshadow of what's to come. And I'll just give you a, a very interesting something that I, that I learned while I was studying. And I'd never thought about this before. But what if the Noah's Ark could have been a foreshadow of the tabernacle? Watch what I mean. Noah's Ark had three levels. The tabernacle has how many rooms? Three. The Noah's Ark had one entrance. How many entrances does the tabernacle have? One. The eastern gate is the one and only way into the tabernacle. Every person that was inside Noah's Ark was safe and protected by God while the rest of the world was perishing. The same is true for the tabernacle. If you are inside, the tabernacle of Jesus Christ. You are safe and protected 
while the rest of the world is perishing. So could that have been just a foreshadow of the tabernacle to come? I think so. Um, In the Bible, there are so many details. And God always has a purpose for those details. And the same is true in the tabernacle. As we begin to look at this, I want you to notice every color, every number, every material, every piece of furniture points to Jesus Christ. The more I have studied this, the more it blows my mind, the details of the tabernacle. Hadn't you ever heard God is in the details? That is so true. And you know, I got to thinking about this. Um, Sometimes on my family's birthday, I'll just take little sticky notes and I'll write just tons of them and I'll put them everywhere I know, say my husband is going to go. And um, I'll say, like I'll, I'll put one on the potty, I'll take a sticky note and I'll say, I love you, Mitchell, when you potty. First thing in the morning, I know he's going to see it. I love you when you get your coffee. I love you when you're driving down the road. I put it on his steering wheel. And I think that's what these details in this tabernacle are. They are just Jesus popping out and going, I love you. Here I am. Here I am. This is me again. I'm showing you. This is God's love letter to us. Um, So I want you to watch for these details. Now, let's get started. Go to Exodus 25, and we're going to start in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts, whose heart prompts him to give. These are the offerings that you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skin dyed red, and hides of a sea cow, acacia wood, olive oil for light, spices for anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Um, and in your handout, there is a sheet with every one of these materials listed. Did you find this in your, in your handout? We are not going to go. Does everybody have a sheet that looks like this? We're not going to go through each one of these materials today, but we will touch on some of them. But there is a meaning for every single thing that God asked them to bring as an offering. So you can take this and refer back to it as we're going through this study. Um, One thing I wanted to point out, and this is just a little sidebar, but um, God called the people to give as their hearts prompted them. Sometimes, you know, when we have capital campaigns or the church asks us to give, we think, oh, my gosh. You know, that, that, that was biblical. That started way back in the Old Testament. 
And that is a privilege and an honor to get to be able to bring things in and give to the kingdom of God, to build God's tabernacle. So I pray if you've ever had that feeling of drudge, oh, I don't want to do that, that you can see yourself as your heart prompts you to give, as God prompts your heart, I should say, to give, that that is an honor and a privilege that you are building the tabernacle of the Most High. Um, The next thing I want us to look at is if you go down and start looking at the subtitles in your Bible, what is the first piece of furniture that God told Moses to build? The Ark of the Covenant. Now look back at your little diagram. The Ark of the Covenant is the very last piece of furniture in the tabernacle. And isn't that just like God to start with the end in mind? (laughs) He always um, starts from the inside out. He works with the end in mind from the beginning. And as I thought about this, I thought, you know what? (laughs) There's that scripture in Psalms 139 that says, All your days were written in a book before one of those days came to be. Did you know that about yourself? All your days have already been written before one of them came to be. God knew that you were going to be here today and that he has a word for you. He wants us to learn together this year. Um, He always starts from a place of victory. He shows us the end from the beginning, and then he shows us how to walk it out. And we're going to see this in the pattern of the tabernacle. Um, Our goal in the tabernacle is is to get into the Holy of Holies where the presence of the living God is. But he showed us that from the beginning. That's our ultimate goal is to get into the presence of the Most High God. But we've got to start at the beginning, at the gate. Okay? So let's take our first step. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just ask, what is a gate for? What do you use a gate for? Y'all answer that question. Okay, what'd you come up with? What is a gate for? Safety. What else is a gate for? To enter. It keeps what's in, in, and what's out, out. It's a place of protection. So a gate is a good thing, right? Um, in John fourteen six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So right here, Jesus is telling us, I am the one way in. There is only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. There is one gate into the tabernacle. Where is that gate? It's called the eastern gate. That gate is on the east side of the tabernacle. When the 
shepherds were going to go and find Jesus, what did they follow? The eastern star. So see, this is that pattern that we're talking about. Um, Jesus is the only way in. Then the next place that we want to go is Exodus 27, verse 16. Just turn over a page in your Bible. For the entrance to the courtyard provide a curtain 20 cubits long of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen, the work of an embroiderer with four posts and four bases. So right here we're going to see that there are four colors that Jesus that, that God used to create this gate. And remember what we said? Every color has a meaning. So let's look at the colors that were used to make the gate. And this is our representation of our woven gate that's right here behind me. Um, purple would have represented royalty. Fine linen would, was white and that would have represented purity, the perfect man. Scarlet would have represented the blood of Jesus, the suffering Savior. And blue represented the Son of God. Now, I want you to see how these colors are represented in the Gospels. In Matthew, Jesus is represented as the King of Kings. In Mark, he is represented as the perfect man. In Luke, he is represented as the suffering Savior. And in John, he is represented as the Son of God. And I want to tell you, you know, you read these facts and you think, oh, that sounds good and I'm going to write it down. Well, I began to look up in my Bible one day to see if these things were true. And I would just open to a page in Matthew and I would see it would reveal him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I just challenge you to go back, take your Bible and see if, if this is true of Jesus Christ. And these are the four offices that Jesus held and they... <clears throat> are shown to us in the Gospels. Okay, surrounding the holy place and the holy of holies was what we call the outer court. That's the outermost part of the tabernacle. And um, it was made up of white curtains. And what does white represent? Purity. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try to get up here on the stage and show y'all something that I just thought was so neat. Um, But this is just a representation of the white curtains that surrounded the tabernacle. This is a picture of Jesus just surrounding the whole thing. Um, And here on on your notes, you're going to see just a little stick drawing, and I want you to fill this in. This is the gospel in a post, a rope, and some nails. Um, these posts that were holding up the white curtains would have been made of acacia wood. Now, wood in the Bible represents man. Acacia wood was an incorruptible wood. 
It was a wood that um, was not affected by disease and insects. So Jesus is the incorruptible man. Um, At the top, it had a silver cap or a silver band. Silver stands for redemption. Jesus is our Redeemer. At the base of this was a bronze stand. Bronze in the Bible represents judgment. Jesus came and he was the suffering servant who took our judgment upon himself. It was stabilized by ropes of goat's hair. The goat's hair represents the prophet. Jesus was the prophet who came. The one who bore our sin, he was our scapegoat. And it was nailed into the ground with a stake made of bronze. What does bronze represent? Judgment. This stake went halfway in the ground and was halfway up. Jesus, our suffering Savior, was dead and buried and rose again on the third day. Is that a detail? (laughs) Does that not amaze you? And I'll tell you another thing that Jewish history tells us is these ropes were actually named, and one rope was called the Spirit, and the other rope was the Word. Okay, um, around the tabernacle, there would have been 60 of these posts. So guess what I did when I thought about that? Went and looked up 60, didn't I? What does that mean? Okay, the meaning of 60. Look in your notes and you're going to see this. The number six is the number of man. The number 10 equals responsibility. Jesus became a man and he took our responsibility on the cross. Um, In the Hebrew... Every letter has a name. And the 15th letter in the Hebrew alphabet is actually the word for 60, the number 60. And it is Samek, S-A-M-E-K. And that word, Samek, means to uphold, to help, or to support. Now, let's put everything, it it gets kind of jumbled up in your head right now, but let me lay it out for you what this says. The tabernacle is surrounded by Jesus. It is held up and supported by Jesus, the incorruptible Son of Man who died on the cross, was dead and buried, and was raised on the third day. (laughs) Does that not just excite you? I mean, do you see this this tabernacle coming alive? (laughs) I love that. The last thing that we're going to do is we're going to talk about Jesus as the gate and the shepherd. And I want to use these two words interchangeably, gate and shepherd. 
Y'all stick with me because we kind of got to go through a few scriptures to, to map this out. But I think it will amaze you. Um, in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, if you will turn there. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only few find it. You see, out in that wilderness in the desert, there were lots of wide gates that you could go through. But this was the one and only. Jesus is the one and only way to the presence of the Father. In Ezekiel 34, 23, you can just write this down. I'll read it to you. It says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. Now, this is a place where we are establishing Jesus as our shepherd. Remember, David would have been a type or a shadow of Jesus to come. So here's that same pattern that we see working over again. So this establishes that Jesus is our shepherd. Okay. Turn with me over to John 10. We're going to do a little bit of reading here, so y'all, y'all hang in there. John 10, starting at verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep will follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow the sheep, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him. Because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Skip to verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and he will go out and he will find pasture. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming... He abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and he scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. So let's talk a little bit about sheep herding. (laughs) When the shepherd was out in the field at night, and it got time to to hem his sheep in, then many shepherds might have come together, and they might have taken their sheep all into one pen. And sometimes they would go and take them into a cave. And um, in the morning time, when it was time to go out, the, sheep, the, the shepherd would start walking, and his sheep, only his sheep, not somebody else's, would follow that one shepherd's voice. They only followed their master. That's the same thing that we do. We only follow the voice of our shepherd. Jesus Christ. Um, Another thing that the shepherd would do at night when he would put his sheep in that cave behind him, he would actually take his body and he would lay it down as a gate in front of that cave or that pen. So anything that got to those sheep had to come through that shepherd first. I want you to look again at that outer part of the tabernacle. Can you just kind of picture that as a sheep pen? And it says that Jesus is the one way in. You've taken yourself in to this sheep pen. And Jesus Christ put himself on the cross and he barred that door. And anything that gets to you, if you are in his sheep pen, has got to come through Jesus Christ to get to you. Nothing gets to you if you are in his pen that doesn't come through that shepherd. He's your gate. That is your place of protection. Do y'all hear me? When you are in that sheep pen... Jesus Christ is your protector. Let's look one more time at John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the tabernacle, we talked about there were entrances There were three different rooms. In each room, there is an entrance. Now, y'all get this. Listen to what Jewish history tells us. Each one of those entrances had a name. The first name of the eastern gate was called the way. The second gate into the holy place was called the truth. The third gate was called the life. See, our goal is to get into the Holy of Holies. 
And that's where the life is. Does that make you want to shout? Life begins in the presence of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Today, as we close, um, what I'd love for you to do is just take a moment. We're going to put on a little bit of soft music. And um, we're just going to part these gates. And I want you to pray. I want you to come to the altar and just commit yourself to Jesus, to this study, and just pray for yourself. Jesus, reveal yourself through the tabernacle to me. So I pray that you'll just come and have a little quiet time at the altar before you go.